Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number eight of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Canobio, and today we have planned for you a year-end review of the wonderful sport of boxing, 2017, really delivered for us uh, boxing fans. Uh, joining us on the show today, Showtime Sports, Steve Farhood, and of course, the WBO middleweight champion of the world, BJ Saunders, calls in from England, and you know that BJ Saunders always brings it. Uh, he can talk, and uh, we have a lot to talk about with BJ Saunders. Of course, if you want to get involved, leave the comments in the comment section on uh, YouTube. You can subscribe to our uh, podcast on iTunes by searching CompuBox TV. If you could just leave us a rating and a review, it helps us uh, keep gauge of uh, all of our listeners and uh, keeps us in business. But uh, we have a big show planned for you today, of course. It's the year end, so it's time to reflect on what's been uh, one of the better boxing years uh, in a very long time. Um, we had almost everything this year, and I'm going to go through right now a list of all the major fights that, uh, we saw this year. Are you ready? Here we go. I have it written down because there are so many fights. DeGail Jack. We had Frampton Santa Cruz. We had Thurman Garcia. We had Triple G Jacobs. We had Rung Vasai Chocolatito. We had Joshua Klitschko. We had Canelo Chavez. We had Brooke Spence. Ward Kovalev too. Pacquiao Horn. Garcia Broner. Mayweather McGregor. Triple G Canelo. Charlo Lubin. Wilder Stavern. Cotto Ali. Lomo. Loma Rigo. And uh, we rounded it out with uh, Lemieux and Saunders. Wow. Putting it in, in, in uh, perspective there, it really shows you what type of year we had here in boxing. It, 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 we had so many big fights, but what I'm taking most from uh, 2017, and what makes me even more excited for 2018 is the amount of big fights that are already scheduled uh, for 2018. I mean, I've never, I don't remember a time, and I might have to ask this to Steve Farhart, I don't remember a time where we saw so many big fights are scheduled for 2018. Now, these are fights here on your screen. These are fights that we know are happening, that are, are finalized, not rumors or anything. January 20th, we'll see Errol Spence go up against Lamont Peterson. From there, we see the return of Jorge Linares uh, and Lucas Matisse fighting in separate fights. Uh, the same day, we have the World Boxing Super Series semifinals between Usyk and Breedis. On uh, February 10th, we see Mikey Garcia get back into the ring and try to win a title against Sergey Lipinets on Showtime. A week from there, Danny Garcia's return against Brandon Rios over in Las Vegas on Showtime. Followed that week up with uh, the Superfly card, uh, headlined by Saw Rungvisai, his return, going up against Estrada. And then March 3rd, Kovalev back in the ring. Uh, he'll square off uh, his 175-pound title matched up with uh, Dimitri Bival going up against Sullivan Barrera. Not even listed on uh, that screen there is the two other rumored fights that we'll see in the heavyweight division that could go down in March, one of them being Luis Ortiz versus Deontay Wilder. There's rumors that fight can be uh, March 3rd. And then, of course, uh, Joshua and Parker, are uh, they've agreed to uh, terms on their fight, and that one could go down in March 31st. So 
just in January, February, March. It's a full schedule, and it's something that we've talked about a lot on this show. We've had CBS Sports Brian Campbell come on and talk about the every-other-year phenomenon that we've seen in boxing. 2015 was a great year. It was highlighted by Mayweather Pacquiao. Yes, the fight sucked, but it was if you finally got that fight, there were a lot of great fights around Mayweather Pacquiao that went on in the sport. 2016? Not the best year for boxing. 2017, obviously, I just highlighted all the fights that we saw in 2017. So, well, obviously, the first quarter of 2018 is looking very strong, very, very strong. But just to look back at the year uh, 2017 in boxing, you had the, of course, and I hate to say it, but this year is going to be looked back on as the Mayweather-McGregor. What we saw out of Mayweather-McGregor was the biggest, uh, most watched fight of the year. I think it got maybe 4.4 million uh, uh, pay-per-view viewers, uh, second only to Mayweather-Pacquiao. It had a positive effect. You know, I was ringside for the fight. I was there all weekend out in Vegas. There was a ton of interest, a ton of celebrities. You know, it, it mixed the MMA world with the boxing world, a discussion that has gone on for years. And you know what? Boxing came out on top more ways than one. Obviously, the boxer won in Floyd Mayweather, but it elevated the sport of boxing. It has more people talking about boxing. MMA fans, yeah, you know, UFC, you can say what you want about UFC. The popularity isn't there anymore. So, you know, it's always been the UFC has been a little rung above boxing, but you know, if we saw anything with Mayweather McGregor, it's starting uh, to even out there. We saw a lot of retirements in 2017. It was a year of the retirements from Andre Ward, Floyd Mayweather, Vladimir Klitschko go all the way down the list. Tim Bradley officially retired. Shane Mosley retired. I know I'm leaving some off, but there were so many. Marquez, of course. Thank you, Bob. Juan Manuel Marquez, all those guys slated for the Hall of Fame. We saw retirements. We saw like a, a new wave of young fighters. Some of these old guys went out. We saw Cotto retired too. I don't know if I named him. We saw some of these fighters go out. We saw you know a lot of young fighters come up. Lomachenko's, Javante Davis's, the Joshua's. We saw stocks rise in 2017. We saw Jamel Charlo and Jamal Charlo. Their stocks are through the roof right now. Lomachenko, you want to buy stock on Lomachenko, you do it right now. Anthony Joshua, I mean, he's now the face of boxing. Uh, over there in England with his big win over Vladimir Klitschko. Of course, uh, Terrence Crawford had a phenomenal year. Errol Spence is a fighter that had a, a big 2017 with his win over Kell Brook and a guy that I think uh, is going to be the breakout star of 2018 in uh, Errol Spence. We'll get Steve Farhood's take on that. Of course, he's coming on the show with B.J. Saunders, so a lot to look forward to uh, in this episode. In addition to the great fights and some of the, the profile on these fighters, we had the cooling of the Cold War of sorts. Of course, the Cold War in boxing is these promotional companies not getting along, these networks not doing business with each other. We saw Danny Jacobs cross the street go to HBO while staying under Al Heyman's managerial watch. So that is something to, to keep an eye on. Al Heyman is not just married to Showtime and uh, the PBC. If it makes sense for his fighter to move across the street or to a different promoter, keep in mind, Al Heyman is not a promoter. He's a manager. So he teams up, goes to Matchroom Boxing USA, which was another big story in 2017, is Eddie Hearn bringing his stable over to the U.S. We saw Danny Jacobs team up with Matchroom, go to HBO, and he's still with Al Heyman. So that's an encouraging sign uh, for boxing. We saw the passing of the torch in the heavyweight division. We talk about this later in our year-end uh, review, our year-end rewards. Joshua and Klitschko, wow, was that a spectacle or what? I mean, that was one of the biggest fights of the year, it had everything. Uh, you know, we have a lot of these fights, like Triple G Canelo, 
Mayweather McGregor, uh, Klitschko Joshua, where on paper everything is all there. I mean, of course, May McGregor on paper was not there, but the hype was there. Very rarely does it deliver and exceed expectations. That's what we saw with Klitschko Joshua. It exceeded everything we can think of. And of course, in the fall, we saw Triple G and Canelo, the middleweight matchup that all fans were salivating for. I had a terrible scorecard from Adelaide Bird. But, you know, that I rewatched that fight on HBO. They did their boxing best. That fight was awesome. I mean, that fight really delivered when you look back and you separate yourself from it. A few months looking back on it, outstanding fight in the middleweight division. And in addition to that, I mean, this has been such a great year. I'm just going to keep going on and on. ESPN investing in boxing, big thing to look out for. The uh, the start of the World Boxing Super Series, I think, is going to be here to stay. They've had great success, great job by Richard Schaefer and, uh, and his team starting that tournament. Dana White getting into boxing. I mean, this is endless. But most of all, I feel good about the sport. I haven't felt this good about the sport of boxing in a very long time. I talked to a lot of people ringside who have been around the sport a lot longer than I have, and there's almost a revitalization. There's a, uh, it's a, we're in the middle of a boxing renaissance. The fighters want to fight the best. They're using Twitter uh, to call out each other. It's a great time to be a boxing fan. It's a great time to be a listener and a viewer of Inside Boxing Live because we have a big show planned for you, of course. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Pluto TV, the fight uh, channel 205. And, of course, if you can't watch the show, you can always listen in your car or on your phone, uh, the Google Play app, and also on iTunes. But a big show, Steve Farhood, BJ Saunders, Twitter haters of the year. We got um, our year-end review we have, in case you missed it. We have a lot going on. But uh, first up, we got Showtime Boxing's Steve Farhood. Our next guest on Inside Boxing Live is a Hall of Famer. You know him from uh, Showtime Boxing. He is one of the nicest guys in the sport. He's Steve Farhood, and he's uh, joining us from beautiful, sunny Florida. How's the weather over there, Steve? A lot better than the way it is at home, I'll tell you that. It's about uh, 80 degrees. I'm looking to make you feel terrible for being where you are, but uh, it's, uh, it's nice here, and it was, I picked the right week. You did. It's uh, about 15 degrees here in New York City, uh, freezing our butts off. But uh, let's talk some boxing. It's been a great year in uh, 2017. Uh, assess the year as a whole, uh, some of the, the major storylines. And uh, what did you think of uh, boxing in 2017? I think it was a pretty good year. I, I think maybe one of the most important developments of the year was the fact that the heavyweight division is again in play and getting a lot of attention from boxing fans and that's always important because we know the heavyweight division even though i've never been a much of a fan of it um it is very important for the game and with joshua and 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 wilder and then joseph parker also having a belt now um i think it's uh it's really important that that we have that division two exciting fighters two big punchers hopefully you know in 2018 they'll meet and i think that was a really good um a development for the sport to have that on the downside if there's a down to 2017 it's probably the same downside that we've had in other years which is the top fighters and all fighters for that matter are fighting less you know we're seeing if we see a guy twice in a year now it's about as as good as we can expect and i think that's kind of a a, a development that that i'd like to see changed i don't know if we will but uh that that's that that's a real negative Steve, who is your fighter of uh, a fighter of the year for 2017? A lot of people are talking about Lomachenko or Crawford, and it's it's it goes along with what you just said. Is those two guys fought a lot of times and, and maybe three or four times in 2017? But who is your fighter of the year for uh, 2017? 
Well, it was, it was real hard, Dan, to pick this year, really hard. I mean, Lomachenko deserved credit. Uh, he did fight three times, or at least made three defenses, and he, he beat Rigondeaux, which was a nice win, but not quite as big a win as it might have sounded because Rigondeaux was jumping two weight classes, obviously. Crawford... I might lean that way. Um, he beat Felix Diaz. He beat Ndongo to become, you know, a, a champion who had all four belts, only the third fighter ever to do that. So that that was pretty impressive. And then I think you have to look at Joshua, too. Um, the win over Klitschko was probably more impressive because of how it happened and because of the stakes. Now, Steve, uh, 2017 had so many great uh, fights. Obviously, you talked about the heavyweight division and the importance. And it was uh, Joshua Klitschko uh, your fight of the year? I know you were ringside for it. Talk a little bit about the experience being there, the spectacle of it all, 90,000 fans at Wembley, and more importantly, the shift that it showed in the heavyweight division. Well, yeah, that definitely was my fight of the year. I don't think anybody could argue that. I might have had the round of the year, too. I believe it was round six when you know Klitschko got off the floor and seemed seem to finish Joshua. I mean, I wouldn't have given you much uh, of, a, of a chance for Joshua winning at that point. And I think the when when you look at the atmosphere there, 90,000 people, at this point, after doing this for 40 years and being in fights around the world, it takes a lot to impress me, and I was impressed, let me tell you. Um, and if you wrote a script to try to sell Joshua to the public, you couldn't have written a better script than what happened in that fight. And, you know, they, needless to say, the 90,000 fans there were all for Joshua. And the irony of it all is that as great as Joshua looked and as much as it meant for the heavyweight division, it probably did more for Klitschko's legacy than any fight he ever had. You know, he he looked better in losing than he almost ever had in winning. So it was kind of a a, a multi-dimensional fight with, with a lot of interesting angles to it. Yeah, that fight had it all. I mean, that's my fight of the year. It it was like if you wrote a storyline, if you had Sylvester Stallone write out a heavyweight storyline here, that probably would have been it, what you saw there uh, in Wembley Stadium. But I want to talk a little about your career path. You've had one of the, the more interesting uh, journeys to get to boxing, and uh, one of it started, uh, I looked up your bio, you started as a wrestling editor on Long Island. Talk a little bit about your time uh, covering uh, professional wrestling, Steve. Well, when I when I got out of college, I got a job with London Publishing, which was a very established publishing company in, at the time in Freeport, Long Island. So I did the old reverse commute from Manhattan. And uh, part of my job was boxing, working under Randy Gordon for a year. And part of my job was editing and writing wrestling. Uh, because as, as popular as the boxing magazines were at the time, and remember, this is pre-KO magazine and pre-Ring magazine, at least for us to own them, um, the wrestling magazines paid the rent. You know they were they were consistently selling, and um, we uh, I, I wrote a lot of pieces, I edited a lot of pieces, and it was you know it was great creative writing. I loved it. Who, so I got to practice what I learned in college. You know the journalism aspect, doing the boxing, and uh, had a little fun with the wrestling. Now today you find yourself uh, as a Hall of Famer. First of all, congratulations on that. I was with you uh, that weekend up in Canastota, and it was a great honor for you and your family. So uh, it's been a great year uh, for you personally. But uh, from there. You've gone on to, you called the Showbox uh, fights there, and you also are the official scorer. Now, I want to ask you this. Do you ever chat with uh, Harold Letterman, the only other uh, notable uh, ringside scorer, and you guys go over some of your scorecards? So, uh, of course, I've had plenty of conversations with Harold. We haven't talked scoring much, but uh, I respect him as a great judge well before he did it on TV. And, of course, he paved the way for, for someone like myself to have a similar role at Showtime. 
Now, uh, talking about the sport again here in, in 2017, do you see a little bit of, of a shifting? We saw a lot of great fights being made. We see fighters kind of taking uh, their careers into their own hands on, on social media. Uh, do you see that, and do you see maybe 2018 keeping this up? You know, we've seen so many times in, in the sport of boxing is it's this every-other-year phenomenon where we have a great year, and then we follow it off with we have a little bit of a drop-off. Do you think 2018 will be any different uh, than 2017? I think, you know, what makes a good year is, is good fights and big fights that get made. And I think that 2017 was big because we had Golovkin-Canelo, which we expected. We had Mayweather-McGregor, which we didn't expect, um, which was, of course, a big event. Not necessarily the biggest fight, but a big event. And a continuing uh, storyline with the welterweight division. The 115-pounders kind of emerged. Uh, and the junior middleweights, a lot of good young fighters came out as well. So... I think that the momentum some of these divisions had will continue in 2018, and we're likely to get a Golovkin-Canelo rematch. Um, you know, what will Terrence Crawford do at 147? That's a big question, obviously. Um, I'd like to see Inoue, the Japanese 115-pounder, get some more big fights. So th there's plenty of stars. Um, you know, Joshua Wilder obviously would be the cherry on top of the cake if that happens. If that happens by itself, that will make 2018 a significant year because – the winner will obviously emerge as the number one heavyweight in the world and, and a very strong candidate with all those knockouts and all those wins, and, and the winner will be undefeated. Yeah, so many big fights to be made for, for 2018. One fight that we know is set uh, for the Barclays Center is January 20th. Errol Spence gets in there with Lamont Peterson. You'll be ringside uh, for that fight. What do you think about Errol Spence? He's a fighter that is gaining a lot of traction in the welterweight division. Obviously, there's a lot of big fights with him to be made in the future. Talk a little bit about the matchup between Errol Spence uh, and Lamont Peterson on January 20th. Well, it's impossible to see that not as an action fight. I mean, you know, Lamont Peterson has tons of heart, tons of experience. They'll, they'll fight on the inside. There'll be plenty of body punching. Um, in Spence in general, I mean, to me, he's the, emer the emerging American fighter right now. And, and I think that's important because what the Joshua experience is teaching us is that Fighters don't necessarily need America anymore to be huge stars. It used to be, well, yeah, you made it in England, you made it in Germany, you made it in Japan, whatever, but can you make it in the U.S.? Well, a guy like Joshua hasn't fought in the U.S., doesn't feel the need to fight in the U.S. Economically, doesn't need the U.S. So it's nice to see an American fighter like Spence at a time when the globalization of boxing is so considerable and so noticeable. Um, it's nice to see a, a potentially great fighter like Spence uh, emerge, and the fact of the matter is that maybe in 2018, he will have to fight and beat another American fighter, Keith Thurman, to establish himself as a great fighter. And that, that's something we can all look forward to. Yeah, Errol Spence is a fighter that I'm looking forward to most see fight in, uh, in 2018. Should he uh, be victorious over Lamont Peterson and he sets himself up for that Thurman showdown, it would be hard to, to, to see that Errol Spence not being the fighter of the year in, in 2018. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, a win over Thurman would be amazing. And, you know, we talked about the atmosphere at Joshua and, uh, and Klitschko. It wasn't that long after that, we, that I went to England for the, uh, for, to, to Sheffield, England, for this, the Spence Brook fight. And the atmosphere there, while not 90,000, it was more like 35,000 in a soccer stadium, was equally amazing. And, to, and the poise that Errol Spence showed in beating a very good fighter in Brook, who fought well that night. Um, and then the beauty of it was when he, won, when he finally won the, the fight in round nine or 10 or whatever it was. He acted like he had just gone out for a, you know, a burger and, and, and some fries. I mean, it was like nothing important that happened. I mean, he is such a grounded guy and such a realistic guy, and he knows exactly what he's about, where he's at, 
and what the future can bring. And, and you got to love Errol Spence. Maybe not the biggest personality, you know, the way a, a, a Mayweather or some others have been. But for fight fans, he's, he's an absolute joy. He's a special talent, and he's got the workmanlike attitude. And you're right, you got to love it. And uh, so many big fights in 2017. It's been a great year for boxing. It's been a great year for you, Steve. Congratulations once again on the Hall of Fame. Go back to the beach. Go enjoy the uh, the warm weather while we suffer here in New York. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Steve. I will do that, and I'll I'll be thinking of you while I'm uh, while I'm tanning myself. <laughs> oh man, come on, man, it's too much. All right, we'll talk to you soon, Steve. <laughs> Take care. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Take All care. Right. There he is, the great Steve Farhood, the Hall of Famer. Uh, had some uh, interesting uh, insights on the great year that was 2017. Only Steve Farhood can, can uh, take all the information, everything we consumed, and put it into such elegant ways. Uh, he says the heavyweight division, that was his biggest takeaway of uh, 2017, was the emergence, the reemergence of the heavyweight division with uh, Joshua, with Wilder, with uh, Fury getting back in the mix, and uh, big things from Errol Spence. So a special shout-out to Steve Farhood taking some time out from his vacation in Florida uh, to call in to Inside Boxing Live. A lot of news and notes in the boxing world since the last time we spoke, uh, mostly about fights that are going to be made in uh, 2018. So for the final time here in 2017, it's in case you missed it. Our first item here, in case you missed it, Instagram superstar. And model, Danny Garcia, will get back into the ring uh, with Brendan Rios, a fight that's finalized uh, for February 17th uh, from the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. That fight will be on uh, Showtime. Uh, the last time we saw Danny Garcia, he lost a fight to Keith Thurman. Uh, by the time he gets into the ring with Rios, it will be almost one year uh, since his last fight. I, uh, I know a lot of fans out there are wondering what happened to Danny Garcia, and uh, this seems to be par for the course with a lot of fighters over in that promotion. They uh, take their time, they uh, think things out, and they uh, what they came up with is a fight with uh, Brandon Rios at 147 pounds. Of course, Brandon Rios got into the ring with uh, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he recently came out and said that uh, Mikey Garcia hits harder uh, than Manny Pacquiao. So we'll see uh, Brandon Rios, sort of a live dog in this fight. I'm seeing a lot of rumblings on Twitter that there are some people that think that Rios can give Danny Garcia trouble here. I mean, for Danny Garcia, guy hasn't been in the ring in, in almost a year. So ring rust could be uh, a thing here for Danny Garcia. But that is a fight that we know is made for 2018, Garcia-Rios, uh, February 17th. Another fight that's being rumored, uh, not exactly finalized, is uh, Keith Thurman. He might go up against Vargas. That would be Jesse Vargas. That would be a phenomenal fight. I think that it would be a nice step up uh, for Thurman. He came on Inside Boxing Live a few months back and, and talked about, obviously, coming off of that uh, elbow surgery. He said that you know he's not going to take an Errol Spence fight right off the bat. He wants. He said he wants a tune-up fight, and a lot of times these tune-up fights are guys we've never heard of. You know, Rod Salka uh, comes to mind. But uh, Keith Thurman, if he does choose to fight Jesse Vargas, I think is a very good tune-up fight. I wouldn't even call it a tune-up fight. I think it would be a fight that would uh, would help his career and potentially set up that fight with uh, Errol Spence. Should Errol Spence be victorious against Lamont uh, Peterson? Uh, speaking of Mikey Garcia, we mentioned him a little earlier. Mikey Garcia wants to be a pay-per-view star. He'll be in the ring in uh, February against Sergey Lipinets. He'll be moving up to try to uh, win another belt. Uh, he, he's saying all the right things, Mikey Garcia. Uh, we kind of got on him a little bit for not taking the Cotto fight, not taking the Linares fight. Um, obviously, he's a free agent in boxing. He makes his own decisions. 
uh, his brother, uh, Robert Garcia, was a little was uh, critical of some of his decisions not taking that Cotto fight. You know, Mikey, uh, his brother Robert Garcia actually said that he would have knocked Cotto out. I kind of agree with him there. I think a fighter with a little more power that Mikey Garcia has probably would have taken out Cotto in that fight. But Mikey Garcia will be fighting Lipinets in February. From there, he wants to go on to the bigger fights. He just wants big fights. He he had those you know two to three years off when he was fighting with uh, top rank, and now he kind of wants to have that Mayweather uh, uh, you know pr- progression to his career. I don't quite see that, but he does have a big fan base. He has the Mexican fan base behind him, and as we know in boxing, they are the best fans in the world, the Mexican fans. So I could see Mikey Garcia, you know, taking over uh, boxing. If he, you know, the obvious matchup is Mikey Garcia and uh, Lomachenko. I mean, that's right now. It's they're on a crash course. Should that fight be made, and Mikey Garcia win that fight, then Mikey Garcia is a huge, huge superstar. But you know, it's there. For Mikey Garcia, and you know he has some ambition, so that's nice to see uh, in the world of boxing. Another fighter with a lot of ambition—that's uh, Tyson Fury. He's uh, cleared to box. He uh, worked out his issues with the uh, commissions over there in England. Uh, you know, we're going to be speaking with Tyson Fury. I'm, we're going to be speaking with BJ Saunders in a little bit here on Inside Boxing Live, who's very good friends with uh, Tyson Fury. We'll get his thoughts on if this comeback is for real. What's the latest on Tyson Fury? But one roadblock is out of the way. He's cleared all his legal issues, and Tyson Fury is ready to go. I think uh, the boxing fans are very curious to see what's next from Tyson Fury. Uh, obviously, a huge matchup with Anthony Joshua looms. I think that could be monumental in the heavyweight division. And all of a sudden, the heavyweight division is is loaded right now, and uh, Tyson Fury is uh, has a style that isn't the best for fans, isn't exactly crowd-pleasing. But outside of the ring, this guy brings it. Uh, he brings it on Twitter. He uh, he likes to do a lot of videos, and uh, he's he's great for the the, the boxing world. And uh, hopefully, we see Tyson Fury in the ring in uh, 2018. Another fight we want to see in 2018, and I don't know why it hasn't been made yet. It's Triple G and Canelo, according to Oscar De La Hoya, who of course represents and uh, promotes Canelo. This fight is close to being done. We heard this, you know, maybe weeks ago. Still not done yet. But, you know, the latest is that, you know, both sides are very close. Uh, Tom Loeffler met with uh, Team Canelo, and they are supposedly making a fight for May 5th. I think it's going to happen. I mean, it's the only fight really left to make. I think they waited a little bit, uh, Team Canelo, to see what was going to happen with this B.J. Saunders fight. B.J. Saunders, I mean, looked unbelievable. And we're going to talk to B.J. Saunders in a little bit. I don't think Canelo wants any part of B.J. Saunders right now. The B.J. Saunders that we saw in the ring against David Lemieux could potentially give Canelo a lot of problems. He can give Triple G a lot of problems. He has the perfect style as a slick boxer uh, to get into the ring with some of the biggest names in the heavyweight, div- uh, the middleweight division to- and give them issues. So uh, Triple G Canelo uh, supposedly being uh, finalized in the next coming days. Uh, another fight that uh, just came across very recently that looks like it's about to be done, that's Anthony Joshua getting back into the ring going up against fellow heavyweight champ Joseph Parker. Supposedly they have agreed to the split. We have no details on what the split is. Obviously it's going to favor Anthony Joshua. But March 31st, we're going to see another huge uh, attendance here, another huge crowd on hand to watch Anthony Joshua square off with Joseph Parker. And this is a big fight for a number of reasons. Uh, It gives Anthony Joshua another belt should he win. It gives him a little more visibility. It's a big fight overseas. And uh, it's a big fight that gets him in line 
with uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, we'll talk about Deontay Wilder in a little bit, but uh, Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, very close to being made. I would not be surprised if this fight isn't announced in uh, the next week or two. But uh, another fight <laughs> that uh, was trying to get made here in 2018, we have so many great fights already on the schedule, is uh, Jeff Horn. Uh, Jeff Horn wants big money to fight Terrence Crawford, and do you really blame him? He wants, uh, there's reports out there that he wants close to $4 million to fight uh, Terrence Crawford. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, when, I, when a fighter asks for those ridiculous demands of $4 million, it's, it's a way of saying that we don't really want this fight. You know, I don't want to speak for Jeff Horn here, but everyone knows that when he gets into the ring, with Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford has all the edges here. I mean, we saw the fight with Jeff Horn, uh, his last defense over on ESPN at uh, 6 in the morning. Uh, we were up early watching that one. He looked good. I mean, he looked serviceable. He had a tough opponent in there with him, got him out of there. But Terrence Crawford, you know, he has all the edges, and he will take out uh, Jeff Horn, in my opinion. So Jeff Horn is kind of putting it out there. He's asking for these crazy demands. He also wants to fight Anthony Mundine. I mean, that's a huge fight over in Australia, and why not do that fight? Why not take the fight with Mundine, cash out, like all these other fighters do in America, and then fight Crawford? But if he does that, he has to vacate the the belt, and he pretty much just gives it to uh, Terrence Crawford. But maybe those demands will come down. Maybe Bob Arum, listen, Bob Arum has, uh, he knows what he's doing. He's done a few of these negotiations. Maybe he meets uh, Jeff Horn a little uh, halfway. You know, gives him $2 million to fight uh, Terrence Crawford. They fight on ESPN, be huge. Big ratings, and that's a fight that I think is very uh, makes a lot of sense. Jeff Horn and uh, Terrence Crawford. So hopefully, we see that fight in uh, in 2018. And finally, here, and in case you missed it, heavyweight division we talked about is heating up. Well, uh, Wilder and Ortiz in talks for a fight in uh, early March at the Barclays Center. Uh, in December, we saw Wilder and Ortiz in a ring. They weren't fighting, but they were jawing at each other. Of course, uh, Ortiz. Had a fight in, uh, I think it was in Florida. He took out his opponent in brutal fashion in the, the second ring. Poor guy got knocked out cold. Uh, then uh, Wilder jumps into the ring. It was great. They get face-to-face. The PBC uh, announcer didn't know what to do. It was great stuff. So it seems like Ortiz and Wilder, they both want this fight, and Wilder wants it. I mean, obviously, Ortiz had all those issues with the with the drug testing, but you know, it just shows you that Deontay Wilder wants a, a big name. He wants a big fight. He want, He's tired of hearing the criticisms that he is, you know, that he doesn't fight anybody. He fights truck drivers. So he fights uh, Ortiz and he wins that fight. And Joshua wins his fight with Parker. We're setting up a huge fight here for 2018. Uh, big things in the heavyweight division. Big things in the boxing world for 2018 here with uh, all these news and notes. This has been In Case You Missed It. All right, everybody. It's time for the year-end awards. Uh, it was a very tough decisions we had to make here at Inside Boxing Live and our staff coming up with uh, the KO of the year, the fight of the year, and the ultimately the fighter of the year. It was such a great year for boxing in 2017. We had a lot of different uh, things going on in the in the world of boxing. Some great fights, some great matchups, some a lot of business moves. But I will start off. Uh, with the KO of the year, and this was an easy one for us. It's Sorbrung Visai, uh, his KO4 over Chocolatito Gonzalez. Just a devastating one-punch knockout that we saw in their rematch in September. And wow, was that just a brutal knockout from Rung Visai. It was on that Superfly card. It was uh, 
Uh, brutal. Brutal, brutal knockout. There was a lot of great knockouts this year. Uh, you had Lemieux over uh, Curtis Stevens. You know, there was there were many, many to choose from, but this, I feel like, was a very easy de- uh, decision. Um, Rungvisai had a great year. He could easily have uh, – th- he threw his hat into the fighter of the year discussions with two big wins over Chocolatito, if you don't think. He won that first fight. It's very uh, – it's up in the air. A uh, very contested fight there, very controversial uh, decision. But Sung, uh, Rungvisa is a fighter uh, to look for in uh, 2018 as we see a Superfly 2 card that's finalized for February. But our KO of the year goes to Rungvisa over Gonzalez. That brings us to our fight of the year. And this one was an easy one. Uh, it's for me, it, you look to the heavyweight division in the sport of boxing and Joshua and Klitschko put on a show at Wembley Stadium. 90,000 fans. He had... The storylines were, were there for you. You had the old line in Vladimir Klitschko, who's been on top of the heavyweight division for 10-plus years, going up against the hungry, the charismatic, the, the young Anthony Joshua. And, man, this fight delivered on all fronts. It had the round of the year, round number five. It had everything you wanted. It had multiple knockdowns. It had everything. And uh, we're going to throw it uh, to the great Michael Buffer, who was ringside uh, for this fight, for his thoughts on our 2017 fight of the year. Uh, Klitschko and Joshua uh, in April was just an unbelievable heavyweight fight. It had everything you want. The, you know, the, the electricity and atmosphere of 90,000 fans in Wembley in the UK and, uh, you know, Vladimir somehow reached back and, and pulled out a great e- effort. And even in losing, he, he went out uh, on his shield, but he went out like, uh, like the star that he was. That's the great Michael Buffer who joined us on Inside Boxing Line a few a few episodes back. That's his fight of the year. It's a lot of people's fight of the year. It was an easy choice uh, for the boxing uh, media and uh, for us here at Inside Boxing Live. It, it catapulted the heavyweight division. It brought it back to prominence. And we're going to hopefully see another huge heavyweight fight in 2018. And that's Anthony Joshua going up against Deontay Wilder. If we get that fight in 2018... 2018 is is a home run because that's a fight that everyone wants. It's a fight that's going to draw, you know, it's going to cross over into other uh, into the media. You know, all sports fans are going to tune in for that one. Which brings us to our 2017 Inside Boxing Fighter of the Year. He's the great high tech Vasil Nomaschenko Lomachenko. What a year for the Ukrainian! Three and zero. In 2017, three title defenses. He all he made all three of his opponents quit. He had a plus-minus in 2017 of 15.2. Listen to this one, folks. He outlanded his opponents 516 to 128, and uh, he had a lot of eyeballs on him this year. As as we know, Top Rank made that deal with ESPN. They got more eyeballs, more visibility. His fight with uh, Rigondeaux was much. It was highly anticipated, and it delivered. Two point one million viewers, and of course, we can't forget uh, his words after that uh, Rigondeaux win when he said, "You got to call me uh, Nomaschenko." It was perfect. I mean, this guy had a phenomenal year in 2017. It was very hard to pick uh, the 2017 Fighter of the Year for me because it was a year where <clears throat> a lot of these fighters had one very good win. Triple G had one very good win over Jacobs. Had he have officially beat Canelo? I mean, we all, a lot of the majority of us think that 
he beat Canelo. But if he had officially beaten Canelo, he would have been your fighter of the year. Two good wins. But you had a guy in Terrence Crawford who's had a very similar year to Lomachenko. He fought multiple times. He unified the division, but Lomachenko didn't unify the division. But he has the style points. Doesn't have maybe the signature win or the one very good win. But Terrence Crawford had the style points in how he unified. And I was going to move up to 147. Anthony Joshua, one very good win over Vladimir Klitschko and a very solid win over Carlos Takam. You have no problems giving this to Joshua, no problems giving this to Crawford, but in my eyes, uh, making three opponents quit, three championship-caliber opponents quit, and one of them being uh, Rigondeaux, who was undefeated and a two-time Olympic champion, Vasil Lomachenko, is uh, your uh, Inside Boxing Live 2017 Fighter of the Year. Our next guest on Inside Boxing Live just two short weeks ago disposed of David Lemieux in a uh, middleweight matchup, one of the best performances of 2017. He's WBO middleweight champion BJ Saunders, and he joins us right now on Inside Boxing Live. BJ, how you doing, man? I'm good, my pal. You? Good, doing great. It had been a great uh, holiday for the Saunders family coming off of that win, right? Yeah. Um, what? What? Um, you know, I'm enjoying me resting on my break. I'm uh, going to have two weeks and I'll be back in the gym on the 10th of, July, on the 10th of January. That's that's awesome. Now, what did uh, what did the little guy get? BJ Saunders Jr. BJ Jr., what did he get for Christmas? Oh, uh, listen, I spoil them, all my kids. He's... I spoil them this year, especially this year. You there? There's a good ending to the year. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why I said it must have been a phenomenal year uh, for the Saunders family, especially coming off yeah, of, that, of that win. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's always um, it's always satisfying coming off of some good wins, but, you know, when, when you come off with that sort of style, with, with that sort of opponent, it's, uh, it's extra special. Now, talking about extra that special. win. And, yeah, I mean, David is a good... Uh, He's a good fighter, got a good name in the U.S. and obviously over here. Um, a lot of knockouts. Um, you know, he, he, he's a he's a top class fighter, and the way I beat him was second to none. I mean, um, you know, you you do get some people say, you know, did he have a bad night? Did Billy Joe have a good night? But the reality of it is, is that. I, the better opponent you put in front of me, the better I perform. And um, that was the case on uh, on the uh, on the 16th. Now, Billy Joe, when did you know in the fight that you had him, or you can do whatever you want in there? When did you know early on? Did you know, you know, when did you know that you had him, this guy? <laughs> Look, I knew, I knew, I knew before I got in the ring with David. David hasn't been in with no one that makes him miss, make him slip and slide like I do. No one. And I knew that being in there, being in there with him is only going to bring the best out of me. And I saw, I know, I know my capabilities. And I knew before I got in the ring with David, I was game enough to have a five hundred thousand dollar bet with him to charity if he wanted to do it. I mean, I know that sort of style was made for me. Anybody comes forward, walk forward, they'll either swing in bombs. I could put a blindfold on and be. And um, I look good, obviously doing it. You know, got the uh, got the public talking about it now. So I just want to build off it from there. 
You do have the public talking about it, especially here in the States. It was your first time fighting on HBO. It was your first time fighting for the first time really in front of uh, the U.S. crowd. Now, what do you say to the people that think that you don't have a crowd-pleasing style? There are some fans, there are some people in the boxing community that aren't so susceptible to the, you know, the slip and move. What do you say to those critics? Well, look, you know, all well and good them, them saying that, but what I say to people like that is, look, we're in this game to earn what we can and to come out of our senses intact afterwards. It's no good coming in this game, earning the tons of money, but going out with no brain cells left. You have to... The, the art of boxing, the original art of boxing, is to hit and not get hit. It's not, I'm going to hit you with one, and I'm going to let you hit me with two. You know, you know, that's the reason why people got their opinion on boxing, because you've got some styles that... These sluggers who stand and have a trade, they do that because they haven't got natural boxing ability. Not that they choose to, you know, it's just that they haven't got that natural ability to do what I can do and other fighters can do. So, you know, you've got your boxers and your fighters and, and that's why nine times out of ten, when you're, when you're a fighter, when a slugger meets a boxer, then, you know, the boxer more or less generally wins a, a good six out of ten. Were you surprised that uh, David Lemieux kind of uh, used an excuse about his shoulder injury after the uh, loss? Listen, I said, I kept saying before the fight, Listen, no excuses. I don't want to hear any excuses from your team because I knew what was going to happen and I knew that was going to come over excuse. First of all, it was his hand, then afterwards it was his shoulder. Um, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't get close to me uh, because I was moving. But you know, my game plan, and I told him my game plan from day one was I want to box his head off. I said, I said I will box your head off, pick you to pieces, and um, that's exactly what I did. I mean, now David probably wanted me to stand there and have a, a slug out with him, which would have suited him more. But, you know, wh why do that? Why do that when um, I can make an easy night's work for myself? And I did say I'll make that fight as hard as I want to make it. Now, since the win, it's uh, maybe the best win of your career from a visibility standpoint. Uh, of course, like I mentioned, fighting on HBO. You know, what's it been like in the two weeks since that fight? Have you, you know, gotten a little more interview requests? Do you find yourself uh, in the headlines a little more? What is it like to be BJ Saunders right now? Yeah, I mean, listen, I've got, I've got, um, I've got a lot of attention off the win. Um, I've got a hell of a lot of attention off the win. Um, it, it's one of them, though, but yeah, it don't really matter to me. You know, I'm not in it for the fame. I'm not in it for, for, the, for this and that. I'm in it now, you know what I mean? I've got four kids and... I want to make sure that when they grow up, they don't have to do what I do. Um, that's what I'm in it for. Listen, if that all comes with it, I'm not really one of these that like to be recognised down the street, that like to be picked out for a photo or you're out for a meal and stuff like that. It do happen, but, you know, and I've noticed now, since I've come back from Canada, I'm, uh, my stock has raised in tempos. Now, you, you say that you're not in it for the fame. Uh, that's, that's a great attitude to have for actually the, the love of the sport. Not a lot of fighters actually fight for the love of the sport. But should you get in the ring with some of these big middleweights in the division, like a Canelo or a Triple G, and you put on a performance like you did against David Lemieux, you're going to be known here in the boxing row, especially in the States. What are your thoughts on, uh, we'll start with Canelo. What do you think about uh, a, a potential fight between BJ Saunders and Canelo Alvarez? Well, what I said to his manager and his management when I was there, I said to him that I would, I would love to make that fight. Stay beating you. Um, I didn't hear no no phone ring after. Um, you know, I personally think that Amir Khan, Amir Khan was 
beating Canelo on points until that is that's a pun until he got knocked out <laughs> um, I believe that Amir Khan was probably one round maybe two up after before the knockout um, now I consider myself a lot better fighter than Amir Khan I consider myself a lot more crafty and a lot more tactical than Amir Khan um, he's a great fighter Amir Khan he's a good fighter but my opinion again I, I class myself as a better fighter um, probably class himself as a better fighter than me but in my own mind in my own head I'm a better fighter than him and I would have done a few things different than Amir Khan did um, but I would love that fight with Canelo Alvarez absolutely love it now you uh, you fought in David Lemieux's hometown and you silenced those those fans you take a fight with Canelo you know, most likely it's going to be here in the States. Most likely it's going to be in a pro-Canelo crowd. Are you looking forward to potentially silencing the Canelo crowd? Do you take, you know, do you enjoy doing that? Look, I, I perform better when I'm against it. You know, I perform absolute better. I mean, this time last year I boxed in Scotland, boxed some Akovov or something. And you know what? I didn't even get up for it. Didn't even train properly for it. Didn't even diet properly for it. Didn't even, couldn't be bothered to fight. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't be bothered to get in there and fight. Silly attitude, bad attitude to have. I, was, I wasn't happy with my training regime. Um, I wasn't happy with my boxing life. And I still got in there and done the job. But the, when I get in there with someone that allegedly is supposed to beat me, and I've got, I don't know, 40, 50,000 against me, same as I had 10, 12,000 the other night against me. Mm-hmm. I love it. I perform. You could have heard, when I came walking into that ring, they were shouting, you know, I heard people shouting at me. I, I had a drink thrown at me. I, you know, it was it was all sorts. But when I left, when that final bell rang, you could hear a pin drop in that place. So, you know, that, that that's what I'm in it for, stuff like that, moments like that, because they don't last forever. Uh, you're absolutely right. I can see in 2018 you going in a number of different ways. Uh, people like to call you the, the wild card in the middleweight division. You're in a very good spot as a very slick boxer to go paired up with a Canelo or a Triple G. I can see you potentially fighting a Triple G, let's say, in Madison Square Garden in front of 20,000 screaming Triple G fans. You're going to have the same exact scenario. What are your thoughts on uh, Golovkin? And I'm sure you'd love to get in the ring with him. Well, Golovkin's the one I want out of the both of them. Golovkin's the man that I want. Um, I believe that Golovkin won the first fight. I believe that Glofkin is probably down as one of the greats what he's done um, he's done it the hard way and in people's eyes he is the unbeatable man so Golovkin is the, is the guy that you want in 2018 you've had a wish list you had your Christmas list it's it's right in the top it Listen, says Triple G Golovkin he's public enemy number one Love it, love it. And, uh, I mean, say, let's say you can't get that fight because uh, him and Canelo are kind of uh, still negotiating. I'm, I'm, I don't know why that fight hasn't been made yet, the, the rematch. Another name that's been thrown around and uh, he's been calling you out is uh, Danny Jacobs. Uh, what are your thoughts on a potential clash with Danny Jacobs? Well, you know, Daniel Jacobs, he's mentioned my name a couple of times. You know, it's, it's fine. He wants a shot at, at a world title. Brilliant. But the thing is, he said to me, he said on the interview that he wants me over in America on on some day for some fight. Now, at the end of the day, I'm the champion here. If that fight was to happen with Daniel Jacobs, he don't bring no money to the table. You know, he's not a, a star as people are buying to watch Canelo, buying to watch Glovkin. You know, he's not he's not a good business end of it. So for me to fight him, 
it's low, it's, well, it's high risk, low reward. You know, and boxing's a business. So, brilliant. If he wants to fight, no problem. Get his, his management to contact my management, MTK, and we'll get the fight on. But it won't be in America. It'll be in England. You know, he's promoters, uh, promoted Eddie Earn, he, he's English. So, you know, him and my promoter, Frank Warren, they're both, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Enemies. Yeah, it's we have a lot of so that going on in the, in the states. Yeah, they don't they don't get on. <laughs> they don't get on. Um, so you know, it, look, it, it's it's one of them. It could, it's not a flight. It's impossible. It's not impossible to make. Right. But it would be very very difficult to make just on the promoter, the promotional side alone. Of it, you know. It's, um, look, I've always said it. Promoters should never stop fighters from earning money, mm-hmm. whether they get on or they don't. If they're happy with their cut, they're going to get vice versa. To me, it don't matter what TV channel it is, what platform it's on. But the position I'm in, Danny Jacobs ain't got no chance and no choice to be telling me he wants me to come to the US. Who wants to fight me now? They're coming to my turf. I went and proved what I had to prove to David Lemieux. Um, you know, I didn't see any of them calling him out until I beat him. None of them called David Lemieux out until I took care of him. So, you know, I've done my proving. You know, they're going about. Daniel Jacobs Daniel Jacobs has a very extremely good loss on his record by Glovkin that's all it is it's a good loss to Glovkin not a good win not a, a just about win or a draw it's a good loss and same as I said about the Glovkin Canelo result if you win by one round or lose by 12 you know winning's winning losing losing if, if a man wins it by one round or he wins it by 12 he still should be giving it the correct score and then you know I believe that Glovkin won the first fight against Canelo. So, you know, it, in my eyes, he is the man that I want out of all of them. But Daniel Jacobs is a possibility if all else fails. Yeah, you I mean, uh, you're not saying anything crazy here, but I do want to ask you, Tyson Fury, he did come to your fight. You guys are friends. Uh, he's a big supporter of yours. He wants to get back in the ring. Have you seen him been training? And uh, is this comeback, uh, is it for real? Me and Tyson is off to Spain. Tyson's actually driving to Spain as we're talking on the phone. Oh, nice. He's driving from England to Spain. Um, as we speak, he's in a car driving. You're driving with Tyson uh, Fury right now? No, Tyson is driving now oh, to, uh, gotcha. to Spain. Gotcha. He's, I forgot to phone him earlier on. He's heading out to MTK Marbella mm-hmm. training camp. Um, I'll be flying out there on the second to do a couple of weeks out there just to break myself back in. Um, but the the comeback is as serious as ever. Love I've it. never seen him want so much. Um, and you know, personally speaking to him, he's a, a Deontay Wilder. Talk to the the US fan. Uh, how big of a fight is Joshua versus uh, Fury over over by you guys in England? How big is that? Personally, myself, I reckon, I'm not saying it, but English boxing, British boxing is thriving at the minute. I mean, it's absolute booming. We've got a lot of world champions. We're doing well. Um, I say we're at the top running with take with, with, with the top country for boxing. Now, Tyson and Joshua is an absolute mouth-watering fight. I mean, mouth-watering, I'd say, big, one of the biggest in boxing history. Wow. 
if not one of the biggest, could be the biggest in boxing history because, you know, Tyson's well known for being outspoken and, and, and whatnot else. Joshua's well known for being so polite and doing some World Olympics and, and uh, it's, it's good meets bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, personally, my own my self, I reckon it could be one of the, the biggest fight that, you know, the boxing world's ever seen. I mean, 2017 was a phenomenal year for boxing. I wouldn't be that surprised if, this, if that fight doesn't happen in 2018. 2018's uh, going to be a great year for you, BJ Saunders. And now you, you have, uh, you look at 2018. What, before we let you go here, what are your goals for the for 2018, do you want to unify the division? What is what do you want to do here in 2018? My my, my goal is to unify. I I want to unify. That is it. I want to unify the full division. That's my biggest goal. And you want Golovkin? That's the one I want is Golovkin. Yeah. I love it. All right, BJ Saunders. Thank you for taking some time. Uh, enjoy the the new year. Love to the family. I hope you have a uh, a great New Year's. And thank you very much for joining us. There he is, BJ Saunders. One of the, the biggest personalities in the sport of boxing. Uh, maybe had the performance of the year in 2017. It was the last major fight on the calendar in 2017. And, uh, man, did he make a name for himself there? Did he maximize that spot? Uh, he had a lot of eyeballs on him, and uh, he makes no secret. He makes it known that he wants Golovkin. He wants Triple G. He looks at Triple G as the, the main guy in the division, and he really is, if you think about it. He beat Canelo in that fight. And uh, I think that uh, Saunders Triple G would be phenomenal. Would be uh, that'd be a big matchup, maybe in the second half, uh, 2018. But you know, another thing too is uh, Tyson Fury. The comeback is for real. You heard it there, right from uh, right from the mouth of B.J. Saunders, one of Tyson Fury's very good friends. You know, he's in the gym as we speak. So uh, a lot of things to look forward to in uh, 2018 in the boxing world, especially from uh, B.J. Saunders. Special thanks to him for coming on here at Inside Boxing Live. Well, my favorite segment of the show has arrived. It's time to check out the wonderful internet fighting ways of Twitter hitters, folks. Here we go. We'll start off with uh, Vasil Lomachenko, who uh, sent out this very cryptic tweet on uh, December 19th. It was a gif of The Rock pretty much uh, waving on, and it was at Floyd Mayweather, and this kind of set the boxing Twitter world into a tizzy because uh, no one knew what he meant. Is Vasil Lomachenko calling out Mayweather? Is he really stooping to that uh, level of an Amir Khan or some of these fighters that you know use Mayweather for attention? I was really hoping that wasn't it. And uh, he let it out there for a f- a f- maybe a few hours before he kind of clarified what it was. And then that uh, brings us to our next tweet. And he says, uh, at Floyd Mayweather, it would be an honor to fight you in your prime, but I'm not talking about you. Please stop hiding your fighter. And that, uh, another cryptic tweet, he didn't exactly name who he was talking about. At that point, we figured out who it was. Who's in uh, Lomachenko's weight class? It's Gervonta Davis. Uh, that's who he was talking about, and uh, it's a fight that would be great. Uh, I think it's uh, he's a little too young, Gervonta uh, Davis. He, he kind of quickly sh- shot that down when Gervonta uh, responded, and he said, uh, can't rush greatness, baby. Uh, he was kind of quiet for a while. Um, that's when Twitter pounced on him and uh, was kind of like uh, crickets. A lot of those responses, people were tweeting at Gervonta Davis saying, are you going to you know, you gonna respond to Lomachenko calling you out? And you had Leonard Ellerby saying that, you know what, like – or I think it was Ellerby or Mayweather. One of them responded and said, "Yeah, we, you know, Lomachenko is good, but you know, we're not going to rush our fighter here. He's only, you know, in his early 20s. 
he uh, is a young champion, and uh, he's not ready. He's not ready to fight him, and you heard it right from the mouth of uh, Javante Davis. Can't rush greatness, and he got ripped for that, and uh, rightfully so. He's had a very interesting year, uh, Javante Davis. It was a fighter that a lot of people were looking forward to watch in 2017. He fought on the undercard of uh, Mayweather McGregor, no bigger stage in the sport of boxing and of course he uh was oh he came in overweight for that fight he he uh, lost his title on the scales had a uh, very questionable punch behind the head uh that was a disputed that was a whole mess and then of course uh his twitter exploits uh i'm not going to get into exactly what he did but uh he joined the long list of uh people here in 2017 that uh sexual uh not assault or harassment but just uh he didn't uh he has to think a little more javante davis when he sends out his tweets and uh, how he's handling uh, his career and that's the ugly side of twitter but that was resolved uh in a very good way but uh more positive things here is fights that we know are made in uh 2018 it's sullivan barrera 175 pounder on the main events roster took to twitter uh to to try to silence his uh critics and he said i'm ducking kovalev to fight a younger, stronger, undefeated, sober little dig at uh, Kovalev fighter? Question mark. Really, my people come on this boxing business. You can't believe everything you read. I'm excited to fight the best and excited to fight for a world title. I let Kovalev make his second pro debut. Uh, Barrera Bival. Of course, uh, he's talking about his fight with Dimitri Bival. That's going down March 3rd at the theater at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Sullivan Barrera had the chance to fight um, Kovalev. He turned it down. He turned down more. He turned down more money and a, and a shot at Kovalev to fight Bival. And I think it's a good move. You know, the fight with Kovalev is always going to be there. Kovalev is not going anywhere. One thing we saw uh, from the return of Sergey Kovalev coming off of those pair of losses to Andre Ward is he's back. He's focused. He uh, disposed of uh, Shabransky in uh, less than uh, two rounds. So uh, the the 175 pound division is really something to look forward to. There are a lot of big players in that division, and Sullivan Barrera versus Dimitri Bival is a 50-50 fight. It's a mouth-watering fight, and it's on the same card as Kovalev. So there's no reason, just like Javante Davis said, no reason to rush it. Uh, That fight will go down, but uh, Sullivan Barrera, that's one thing about Twitter that I like about it, and when you mix boxing and Twitter, is that these fighters get to come on here and speak for themselves right away they hear the criticisms they go to the websites they listen to the podcast they hear oh oh, Barrera's ducking Kovalov he's ducking that's what boxing fans love to do they love to say who's ducking who and that's the latest so he took to Twitter put it in his own hands and said you know I'm fighting a younger hungrier possibly better fighter in Baval so you know you need to relax uh, a little bit with that brings us to our next tweet uh, from the great Bob Arum. Here's another thing. I don't, is Bob Arum running his Twitter? Like, is is he? Who knows? Because he's 86 years old. Doesn't strike me as the most technological savvy uh, guy in the world. But check out this gem right here. Bob Arum says, Growing up in New York, the debate was who was the best center fielder, Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays? Today, we debate who is the best fighter, Terrence Crawford or Vasil Lomachenko. It's as big a toss-up as it was then. Whew, uh, Bob is smoking that good stuff <laughs> because I don't, you know, no disrespect to uh, Lomachenko or Crawford, but no one's walking down the streets of New York talking about who's the better fighter, Lomachenko or uh, Crawford. I mean, it's talked about in the in the forums, on the websites, and within boxing fans, but this is what Bob Arum does. 
he's a hype man. He's been doing it for 50 years, and I do agree with him. There was a huge debate who was better, Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays. I lean towards Mickey Mantle being a Yankee fan, but you can't go wrong with, uh, I think the point he was trying to make was that you, between Terrence Crawford and Vasily Lomachenko, they're two great young fighters uh, in the same sport, just like Willie Mays and uh, uh, Mickey Mantle. But, of course, uh, Bob Maram's got to put his uh, unique touch on it, and uh, we love the Bob father here on Inside Boxing Live. Finally, our final Twitter hitter of uh, 2017 comes from the now-retired Andre Ward. Uh, he was a tweet here from Mark Ortega, who uh, was formerly a boxing writer. I don't know what Ortega's up to these days, but uh, I guess he's tweeting. He says, uh, what if Andre Ward wasn't retired? but was just bulking up over time to try to take a shot at a heavyweight title like he always talked about. Andre Ward quote tweets it and puts the, the emoji, the thinking emoji, like, hmm, maybe I am doing that. And that's interesting because this is something that Andre Ward has talked about uh, numerous times. He, he said one of his dreams is to eventually was to become a heavyweight champion and... Uh, and maybe he's making the, a smart decision uh, to retire, but say he does come out of retirement, he waits it out a little bit, he lets the big boys, you know, the Wilders, the Joshuas, the Furies kind of fight it out, and then he bulks up to, uh, he's got to get up to at least 225, 215, 220. Right now he's walking around right now at about 200 pounds, but he obviously fought his last fight at 175. But, you know, he did tweet out a bunch of stuff during over Thanksgiving, about uh, this is the first time I don't have to watch what I eat. You know, I just ate a, a huge Thanksgiving dinner. I'm probably going to have seconds. And you know what? I'm not going to the gym tomorrow. So maybe, just maybe, Andre Ward is going to bulk up in maybe two years. I can see it right now. Two years. Andre Ward coming in at 225, heavyweight matchup. And he wins the heavyweight title. It's just another notch in his belt. It's, it's a little unrealistic, but, you know, we can we can dream here on Inside Boxing Live. I do have one special thing. This is the year-end review. We have to give out our first-ever Twitter Hitter of the Year award. It's unanimous decision. It goes to the big man. Tyson Fury is our Twitter Hitter of the Year. Tyson Fury brings the noise on Twitter. And uh, this is funny. When I was researching to find out about Tyson Fury's tweets, I... Uh, Went down his timeline, went all the way back to August 6th. August 6th is when uh, Tyson Fury, he put out a tweet about all his accomplishments. And, and it was like one of those notes you can do on your phone. And towards the bottom, he referred to himself as retired. So as of August 6th, Tyson Fury, in his mind, w was still retired. And then it was September 17th. They did some investigating here. September 17th, the day after Triple G Canelo, he tweets out a long message about his licensing situation. You know, not a lot of people even knew he had a licensing situation because why would a retire, retired fighter have to get a license? So that's when, you know, he was putting little crumbs out there seeing who was going to respond. You know, prior to those two tweets, uh, Tyson Fury's Twitter feed was strictly motivational memes. It was like my mother's Facebook feed. It was a lot of uh, just motivational sayings and whatnot, very vague messages here and there. But then it started to ramp up. And Nick, do you have a few of his tweets? And it started, he started to let it be known that I'm coming back. I want to come back. He was talking about calling out Joshua. I think, you know, I think he, this was one here on, on Halloween. I reckon I can beat Anthony Joshua and Bronze Bomber now at even 25 stone. And after being out mostly two years, my style is unbeatable. Ask Vladdy. 
Of course, that's Klitschko. And uh, one thing about Tyson Fury's tweets that has helped me is is learning the whole stone metric here and when it comes to weight. But Tyson Fury took it to Twitter after that. He let it be known. At this point, the cat was out of the bag. He was starting his comeback. He was ready to go. I mean, he had another one here. This one came on, on Halloween as well at 5.15 in the morning. I'm going to stop you, Anthony Joshua, inside eight rounds. Watch me go. I mean, at this point, it's no secret that... Tyson Fury was starting his comeback at least through his Twitter fingers. Uh, was, he's still out of weight, uh, out of shape. But here's another one. This was one of my personal favorites because a lot of people took shots at Tyson Fury uh, because he was overweight and he had drug problems. But he let it be known here. He's, I'm returning for the real people of the world and to spread awareness of mental health, to show people who suffer uh, that a change will happen. And this one I particularly liked because it put it into light, uh, you know, different light. Uh, even if it was a highly rasterized photo and <laughs> of him holding one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine belts. I mean, the guy wins belts. But uh, the Twitter hitter segment here, and that, of course, you guys can't see this if you're listening on the podcast, but uh, it's a profile pic. Look at that. In the mink coat with the kissy face. You never know what you're going to get when you log on to uh, Tyson Fury's uh, a Twitter account. But uh, this is one of my favorite segments here. And inside Boxing Live, it was, it's been very fun to uh, surf the web. I mean, I'm on Twitter all day long, and th- I really think it's a unique thing in boxing because I've talked about this before. It's not a, a team sport where you have to worry about you know 24 other players if it's baseball or 54 other players if it's football, where you, you kind of have to use that team mentality and you can't you know promote yourself, you can't call out someone. you got to really kind of stay in line. Boxing, not the case. Boxing, you can you know chirp, you can call out anyone, you can address this, you can tweet anything you want. That's why I think boxing and Twitter is a perfect marriage, and it's been an awesome time here in 2017 uh, highlighting some of these tweets. And, of course, you can always tweet us, at CompuBox. If you see a funny tweet, if you see a funny video, use the hashtag uh, Twitter hitters, at CompuBox. We'll have you featured here on Inside Boxing Live. Been a great show here, Inside Boxing Live, episode eight. Uh, talked to BJ Saunders, we talked to Steve Farhood, we gave out our awards. What a phenomenal year 2017 has been from the start to finish. Uh, actually, starting this show was a big thrill for uh, me and my family. Of course, as you know, my father, Bob Canobio, is the founder of CompuBox, and uh, he, he's in here in the studio and he uh, comes up with a lot of good ideas, as well as our producer. A super producer was actually my brother, Nick Canobio. So it's a family affair here at Inside Boxing Live. And uh, we wanted to come up with something when we started the show is highlighting the good stories in boxing. There's so many, so much negativity in boxing. We know that. It's, it's corrupt. And, you know, these fighters, you know, they're all thugs. And you've heard every criticism there is to hear about the sport of boxing. But there are so many good things that go on in boxing. So many good stories. So many good people. And uh, that's how we came up with the good hook of the week. It's something I've enjoyed searching for uh, when I researched uh, the show for you here. And we've had some really good ones over uh, the course since we started the show back in September. We've had highlighted, you know, Daniel Twitch Franco, the young fighter who suffered a traumatic brain injury in one of his fights, and uh, he wasn't getting the help he needed from his promoter in Rock Nation. We posted the GoFundMe page. You know, he's he's making he's uh, more money is being is being dropped into that fund to help him on his recovery. Like as we said, he doesn't want to uh, he doesn't want Rock Nation to pay for his bills. He just simply wants them to acknowledge the GoFundMe page, bring light to it uh, with their huge platform. That's one thing uh, that we highlighted here. We also talked about uh, Bruce Silverglade, 
Uh, he, of course, is the owner of Gleason's. And this uh, was one of my personal favorite stories, was the um, this program that Gleason's Gym set up for uh, wounded veterans and veterans of all kinds. And uh, you can't see if you're listening on the podcast, but if you're watching here on YouTube or Pluto TV, you can see you know these images of of young young men with older men all sharing the same bond of being uh war veterans and uh what a great story at Gleason's gym I love Gleason's gym there in Dumbo Brooklyn I try to visit there uh, every chance I get they hold a lot of fighter uh, media days there and it's a great little atmosphere and uh Bruce Silverglade is just uh, is a real gem in the world of boxing and uh he was approached by the VA the Veterans Affairs uh unit and they set up this beautiful uh program here it lets these uh these uh veterans let out some anger and bond and uh just the quotes that were pulled from this story uh said it all we also had uh the year of 2017 unfortunately was a year that there were a lot of natural disasters and um there was hur- hurricanes there was earthquakes you name it it seemed to have happened in uh, 2017, a lot of these, uh, of course, happened uh, in Puerto Rico with the, with the terrible uh, um, hurricane there. Miguel Cotto, of course, uh, giving a lot of his money and Golden Boy teaming up with them. We also had uh, the terrible earthquake in Mexico, which saw Canelo Alvarez donate $1 million of his own money uh, to, to aid the, uh, the Mexican people there. Uh, you know, he had uh, Triple G also helping out, but Canelo, not only did he donate one million dollars he you know physically went uh to mexico city where this earthquake happened and he was handing out the boxes he was handing out uh he would just let it be known it was during the holiday season too for him it was after his fight with um with triple g he didn't have to do that but that's why canelo was beloved uh in mexico we also saw uh, a story of keaton jones keaton jones was the uh the bullied young man and uh, we also we all saw where this story kind of went uh, fortunately, there were a lot of um, rumors, and they kind of just kind of disappeared, which was a little strange. But it turned out that Keaton Jones' mom had some questionable past. But anyway, I said this on the show when we featured it, when I knew that there were some rumblings at the time when we re- recorded the that show. Yes, Keaton Jones doesn't have a perfect past. His family doesn't have a perfect past. But most importantly, it highlighted bullying. It rallied the entire world. This wasn't just a, a, uh, a U.S. Uh, story here this people from all over the world chimed in and it showed that bullies can be defeated and that was the most important part of that story but my favorite story of the year my favorite good hook was the story of Chardell Booker and Cheryl Morrison this one was amazing uh just to recap that one Chardell Booker is a young undefeated fighter uh I'm pretty sure he's a 154 pounder out of Brooklyn New York uh and Connecticut as well He's uh, signed to Premier Boxing Champions and Al Heyman. And uh, his mom, Cheryl Morrison, uh, didn't have the best uh, best of times growing up. They didn't actually see eye to eye. Troydell Booker got into a lot of trouble as a kid. But, you know, they're repairing their their relationship. And Cheryl Morrison wanted to take it to boxing. She wanted to step in her, her son's shoes. And what did she do? She went into the ring and she fought. In a exit or not an exit, it was actually a professional fight or an amateur fight. It's been a while since we talked about this one, but she got in the ring and she fought and she won. It was an unbelievable story. We had great feedback from uh, both Chordell Booker and Cheryl Morrison and the fans. They absolutely love this story. Listen, this is what we do at Inside Boxing Live. This is the show for the fans. We want to highlight the better stories. We want to talk to the the best fighters in the game. We want to talk to the best trainers. In the world, we had Freddie Roach on this show, the best promoters. We had, we had Eddie Hearn, we've had Tom Lawfield, we've had Lou DiBella. 
We've had Deontay Wilder. You know, we've had Danny Jacobs. We've had Jarrell Miller. We have had Keith Thurman. Today we had B.J. Saunders. We have Steve Farhood, Brian Campbell. Go down the list. It's been a great year. And most importantly, we've had you, the, the viewers at home. Whether you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Pluto TV, or you're downloading our podcast, Search Inside Boxing Live. It's been a phenomenal year here in boxing. And it's only been a few months of Inside Boxing Live, but we have big plans uh, for 2018. A special thanks goes out to the executive producer, the big kahuna, Bob Canobio, uh, my producer, Nick Canobio. And in today's episode, we got to thank Steve Farhood. BJ Saunders for joining the show. One more shout out. We got to shout out Seal Kenobio who designed this set. I mean, how great is this set? So Seal Kenobio putting her magic touch on the set. Uh, but it's been a great year. It's been a great ride in uh, 2017. Big things planned for 2018. Thank you for watching Inside Boxing Live, and we'll see you in the new year.